We thank you so much for who you are and for your love. Again, Lord, we thank you for moments of celebration. We thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that this morning that your word would touch our hearts, um, that this message would be pleasing to you, bring you glory and honor. Um, and I pray for your anointing to fall upon me, Lord, to be your servant and to be your uh, voice today in this pulpit. We thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. As, as most of you know, that we're right in the middle of a series on end-time prophecy and how that relates to our present-day situation. So we talked about socialism, we talked about globalism, we've talked about the economy. Uh, we're going to talk uh, this morning about the falling away church. And so I say that in, uh, because I'm going to be trying to be very cautious and very polite, but very direct as well, that we are in a free-falling state right now. I'm talking about the church at large. I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about the global church that's out there, church at large, okay? So if I say something that might offend you, I apologize for that, but I don't apologize for my words. Um, my words are my words, and that's why I firmly believe what God's laid upon my heart. So uh, here we go, and we're going to see how it's going to go. If people start, we can't walk out anyway because Gracie has to be baptized later on. So you're here. So we'll see how this is going to go. Um, I believe the Christian church at large is in a free-falling state. More Christians are losing Christ without any faith principles to hold on to. But this falling away is nothing new. Really, if you look at biblical times through history, look at even Judas walked away from Jesus. Let's look at Jude chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ for, for our own, Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and God. Jude's concerns were that the believer wouldn't drift away and be led astray by false teaching, false doctrine those who kind of crept into the church. Judah says true believers must take the initiative, and he said they must contend for the faith. We are called to contend for the faith, each and every one of us. That's part of our calling. It really is, and we need to more and more today, we need to contend for the faith. Now, you're probably tired of me talking about all these uh, statistics about the fallen away church. I've given you a lot off and on uh, through the weeks, but I need to share this with you. If you really want to, in my opinion, if you want to really look at surveys about Christian trends, traditions, what have you, then go to the Barna studies. They are excellent in my view. And they, they cover just a multitude 
of different kind of concerns that are facing the church today. But I'm going to give you just a couple here to kind of put things in, in context. America today, in America, 25% are practicing Christians. 25% are practicing Christians. In 2000, 45% are practicing Christians. And that is changing dramatically. The, that percentage of 25 is falling. This is based on, on uh, last year. Atheism and agnosticism, well, has almost doubled. In 2000, about 11% of people claim to be atheists or agnostics. In 2018, that jumped up to 21%. And now that is in 2018. Can you imagine what it's like now? You know, it's truly, truly incredible. So our first thought I want to share with you is what are Christians falling away from? What are they falling away from? Let's look at John 14, uh, verses 6 and 7. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. People aren't just falling away from church activities and potlucks. They're falling away from John 14, 6, and 7. They are falling away from Christ. They are falling away from salvation itself. This is called apostasy. Now, let's look at... Uh, at 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians is a very good, and let's look at chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. The lawless one we're going to be talking about concerning, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. And we're going to be talking about this. What is the rebellion? It's happening today until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. The lawless one is the Antichrist who opposed God's laws and truths. Paul warned about this falling away. The word apostasy basically means a rebellion, a departure from Jesus. It's a falling away from Jesus who they once embraced. That is interesting, isn't it? That within itself is a discussion. People falling away from, from Jesus Christ who they once embraced. How does that happen? That is a, a discussion that you can have all day long. How do people know Jesus, but then yet they fall away from him? So the question many ask is this. Perhaps, perhaps they didn't know him in the first place. Because the Bible says that we are sealed until the day of redemption. 
So once God has you, he doesn't. Now, I know that even the Assemblies of God denomination say you can lose your salvation. That's an interesting topic because I talk with Assemblies of God pastors, and they kind of waffle on this one because it's a very hard one to really comprehend. But only God, at the end of the day, you can take your doctrine, you can take whatever your church believes, but it's only the heart. God knows the heart. God knows those are really seeking him, and those are just doing window dressing. He knows that. You can fool me. You can fool your family. You can fool your neighbors, your friends, whatever, but you can't fool God. He knows your heart. Isn't it interesting? He knows what we're thinking right now. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what I'm thinking, and yet he still loves me. Because sometimes we don't think good thoughts, do we? Sometimes we don't do the right things, do we? But God still loves us. So that is very important for us to really see and grasp and understand. Verse 3 again. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until rebellion. Again, that word, that's, this is my translation. But it's also translated a falling away. A falling away comes first, according to the prophecy, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. This prophecy is not only about what is to come, but is what, what, what is already here now. This falling away is happening right now as I speak. We just ran just a very few statistics at you, but boy, if you get on your computer, you just have popping away on all these surveys, and you see that I'm right on. It is happening. People are falling away from the church. They are falling away from Christ in numbers. You know, it's also in- interesting that, or and in- troubling, that in the church today, it used to be in the old days, that the church and the culture were clearly separated. Now, it's like the values of the culture and the church are running neck and neck. You can't tell from people in the pew from what's in the world. They're kind of being connected. And that's scary, isn't it? That this, so it explains this falling away. It's sad, but it's true. It's prophecy. These things will come to play. These things will happen, and they're happening now. You are the remnant. You are the ones. You're the remnant that God has called to be the proclaimers, to contend for the faith. We're it. And other churches like us, not all churches, I'm not talking about, please hear me, there are so many, many wonderful churches out there. I'm not talking about the many wonderful, I'm talking about those that are just plain church. No amen? All right. Well, that wasn't too encouraging. But... But this falling away will intensify in the tribulation period or in around that tribulation period. Um, so are we okay? All right. We see how point number two goes. Why this falling away? 2 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 4. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, 
who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn the ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Paul appeals in verse 1, in the, again, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Then he said in verse 2 at the right beginning, what's the charge? Preach the word. Preach the word. This charge that Jesus was coming again inspired Paul to encourage Timothy and, and us to preach and share the word of God. See, we must be receivers before we can be uh, transmitters. Hear what I'm saying? We need to receive it before we can give it away. That is our calling. I believe a a pastor's primary call is to impart biblical knowledge to encourage and challenge others to walk in obedience to the word. That is a pastor's call. And in most denominations, probably, I'm just just saying that I would just assume that in their ordination vows and what have you, this is brought up. You're called to bring the word. Even if people don't disagree disagree with that. You're called to bring the word and also in that process to encourage them to get into the word and challenge what the pastor says. If you have a problem with what I'm saying, then you need to get into the word. I have no problems if people come to me and they say, pastor, what about this? I question that. I say, where do you find it in the word? If you want to question me, then bring the word with you and we will talk about it. But don't just give me your ideas. Give me the word of God. And then we'll work through that. Amen? And that's for you as well. It works both ways. All right. I think, Larry, so far we're okay. All right. Very good. Um, Verse 3. For the time will come when people will not put up with, with sound doctrine. More people are walking away, listen, are walking away from Jesus, the word, and the church because they do not believe that Jesus is relevant. They do not believe that the Bible that you read is relevant for today. They don't believe it. They're all about the culture of the day. They look at the Bible and they say it is out of date. We have to look at the Bible differently. We have to look at the Bible through the lens of our culture today. Well, yes, and no with that. You can't eliminate God's truth, God's truth. God says himself, 
I, the Lord, do not change. God does not change. His word does not change. We can't just take culture and try to cram it into the word. It's got to be the other way around. We need to look at the word of God and see culture through the word. Amen? And amen. So, we got that far. That time is upon us. I'm pausing because I want to make sure that I don't offend any of you. Church, more church attenders are nothing more than pretenders. They want to be entertained. Nothing wrong with entertainment, good music. They want Hollywood. They want feel-good sermons. They don't want to go deep. They don't want to go deep in the Word. They don't want to be challenged. Therefore, pastors are giving them what their itching ears want to hear. And for what purpose? Why? To stack attendance, pad the offerings, and keep the peace Keep the peace with as least amount of controversy. Let's not get controversy. How many, I'm just saying, just, how many pastors really get into Revelation? How many pastors really get into the book of Daniel? How many uh, pastors really get into, now, I'm not pointing fingers, I'm not perfect. I make a ton of mistakes. But we don't, and as church at large, we don't get into these books. Why? Because they're controversial. That's why. So what happens, we just sweep them under the carpet and just kind of move on and hope we don't have to deal with these things. The Bible says this world as we know it is coming to an end. This is not going to last. It might happen in my time. It might happen a thousand years from now. But it's not going to last. We need to get into revelations. We need to get into prophecies. We need to get into these things and struggle with them because that's what God wants us to do. Don't you suppose that when John wrote Revelation, when God inspired him, he must have been dramatically confused. He was getting imagery that he was just going beyond. So he was trying to, to write down what his, his understanding what this all meant. Look at Daniel, a lot of his prophecies, he had no clue what was going to happen. But that's the beauty of it. It's God-inspired revelation, and these things will come to pass. Look at how many revelations of end time have come to pass. We talked about them. This is real stuff. This is in real time. This is happening. And young people, I've I have had people come up to me and they say, oh, man, you're talking about all this end-time stuff. And, gee, what about me? I want to live my life. You know, I want to grow up and have kids, etc." Well, good. That's great. Keep thinking that and praying that because you probably will or maybe not. But remember this. Whatever happens in this world, God is in control. He made you. He loves you. He'll take care of you. And your needs. You know, sometimes, don't we? It's very common and very natural. We see this world, all the good things in the world. There are a lot of good things out there. A lot of fun things that we can do. But God created all the fun things. 
Don't you suppose that God can create even more fun things, even greater than what we have here? So this is good stuff. We need to just be prepared for the day when Jesus Christ will show up. We need the word of God. We need the word. We need his truth. We need his principles. We need his his guidance. Nothing more and basically nothing less. Number three, people will make excuses. I chose this passage thinking, well, I don't know if this would be a good example or not, this passage, but the more, the more I studied it, the more I thought, hey, this, this kind of ties in. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. And Jesus tells us the parable of the great feast. Verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything now is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Verse 20, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one, Not one of those men who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Jesus used this parable to illustrate the importance of accepting God's banquet invitation to what? He's talking about the salvation feast. In Jesus' day, we need to do some history here. In Jesus' day, when a banquet was was given... The host would customarily send a servant out twice. The first time the servant would go out was to set the date. This was the RSVP time. We need to know why. Because the host needed to know how many invited guests were coming to the feast. That was that part of it. Then the servant was sent out a second time. This was to announce the date. It's here. Today's the day, and here's the time. That's what he did. But how did three people that were invited, how did they respond? Again, verse 18. I have just bought a field and must go and see it. 
please excuse me. Who checks out a real estate investment after the deal is completed? Don't you want to see what you're buying? Verse 19, another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Wouldn't you be, wouldn't it be a, how, how could you think about buying a new car, whether used or new, without first checking it out? These are just lame excuses. And then, verse 20, the married guy. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. In Jesus' day, if you were newly married, you had, you were exempt for one year of doing military duty. Why? Because for that one year, you were, you know, you're trying to build your marriage, trying to become a good husband. But, however, being married did not mean that you were exempt from your other commitments. They made a commitment and they backed out of it. They made a commitment and they backed out of it. When they backed out of it, what happened? They were cast out. They were done. And then, it, then the Bible says, then they invite more people. So God invites more people. And for those that want to come in, they come in. He welcomes them. Those that don't say, eh, I don't think I want this, then they're out. He invites more. Because he wants his banquet to be filled. He wants the kingdom of God to be filled. That's God's will. God's will is not to separate himself from his people that he created. He wants all to come to him, but he knows that's not going to happen. You with me? All right. I believe that what I just said and shared with you that this falling away is characterized by weak excuses. And I call them weak. I'm heard, you've heard them. I've heard them. I've had people that have been, they claim to be on fire for the Lord, but things come up in their lives, bad things happen, and they walk away. They walk away. They want nothing to do with God because things didn't go their way. They pray, nothing happens. I prayed to God, my loved one still died. He can't be real. I'm walking away from this. This isn't truth. Or people in church are leaving church because of other things. They are distracted from other things. What are those other things? You can name them. Pleasure, riches. Or I don't want the church because, you know, they have these moral codes I don't really want to Abide by, come on, that's old-fashioned stuff. This is now. I'm in the now. I don't need God. I don't need God. Many people don't need God today. You know why? Because they're independent. They have their house. They have this. They have that. So who needs God? But how often do people come and gravitate to God when things go wrong? Or they turn away. It's either you come to him or you go away from him. Excuses. You can name your own, hundreds of them. Why people? But they're making, and they are just weak, phony excuses. And God knows it. 
I've had people come to me through the years and, and give me excuses why they can't be in church on a regular basis or whatever. Sometimes we have to skip. We know that. And they come to me like I'm supposed to affirm their decision. Really? Come to the wrong person. You know? All right, enough of that. So, this falling away. I'm going to get back to that in closing. This is the, the fourth point in closing. Then we'll get to the baptism. And that question of falling away has really uh, been a roadblock for a lot of pe- people. What does that mean, falling away? How can you fall away if you know Christ? How do I know that I won't fall away? I know Christ, but how do I know that I'm not going to fall away? So that's leading up to our fourth, fourth point. And that is go deep within yourself. 2 Corinthians 13.5, what a nugget this is. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? The Corinthians spent time examining Paul. Now Paul encouraged them to examine their own faith. Paul asked them, are you in the faith? Is Jesus Christ in your heart? Friends, growing in Jesus Christ bears, hear me, self-examination. It's testing yourself. You are not a true Christian simply because you follow a, a sound doctrine. You are not a true Christian simply because you took a membership class. You are not a true Christian simply because you teach a Sunday school class. You're not a true Christian simply because you never miss church on a Sunday. You're not a true Christian simply because you put money in the offering plate. You're not a true Christian simply because you're a good person, that you're kind and polite and help little old ladies across the street. These are all important, yes, so hear me. I'm not saying these are very, very important and necessary, what I just shared with you. But listen to Jesus' words. And for some, they are troubling, some they're very sobering. Jesus lays it right on the line in, in Matthew 7:21. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Gracie's faith has been tested. And as you read her testimony pretty soon here, you will will see that. But friends, the only real proof of our faith in Jesus Christ is to follow him, follow him every day, no matter what. To follow him every day, no matter what. If you get bummed out about something that happens today, you still got to follow Christ. It's been consistent in following him, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because that's all part of this world. Did not Jesus say, in this world, 
You have trouble, but, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Things happen in life. Tragedies happen. But the true Christian hangs in there with Christ. He just hangs in. So I encourage you never, never to give up. If you question your own faith, then examine yourself. How are you doing? And when you examine yourself and you get stuck, then talk to another brother, sister in Christ. Talk to your pastor. Talk to youth, whatever it is. But work it out. Because Jesus never said this is going to be easy. But he said, I will be with you no matter where you go. I will be with you, but you've got to hang in there with me. Jesus said, hang in there with me. That's what our world needs. But we're out of control. The church is out of control. Because people aren't hanging in there with Christ. Lord, we praise you and thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that, that, that Family Life Church, we're trying so hard, Lord, and we love you and we're to hang in with you, and we are. I thank you for churches, Lord, that are really, really spot on, that they, that they preach the word of God, they love you, Jesus, they proclaim you, Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord. I pray that you might give them strength to press on in these troubled times, Lord, just to press on. I pray for that. And Lord, I pray for the wandering church, the falling church, those that, that are, are preaching a social gospel, those that, that think they're doing your will, but they're out of, your, out of your will according to your word, that you help them, Lord, to get back into the word, to know you, Jesus, know their first love. We pray, Lord, but we also know your words, Jesus. Small as a gate, only a few will walk in. But Lord, help us not to judge others, but to be about your business and preach truth where truth needs to be preached and shared in love with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. 